Blog Talk Radio.
Okay. And how was that New Year's Eve service? It was off the hook. It was wonderful. <laughs> yes, uh, Apostle Lockerbie was with his family in Myrtle Beach during the Christmas holidays, and I asked him, did he have those 20 grandchildren with him? And truly, he is blessed to have his daughter and elder and all of those who's going to participate tonight. But before we turn it over to him, Apostle Lockerbie, let me ask you a question. When the Bible speaks about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, can you give us information about that, or what do you believe that is telling us? Well, you know that uh, faith and uh, uh, joy and love is, love, joy, and faith is, is of the Holy Spirit. Uh, these things are manifest not in the flesh, but they manifest in the Spirit, even though those are great fruits of the Spirit. Love is the greatest one because love is like the wrapping uh, on everything. For example, a bag of potato chips. Uh, the, 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 the bag is really no good after you get the chips out, but it is important to have the bag on the chip to keep the chips fresh while they, you do before you do open them. So love is a wrapping. It wraps up everything. It wraps up your gift. It wraps up your calling. It wraps up everything you have to do and keeps it fresh. So a wrapping keeps the candy fresh so that nobody else can put their hands on it. They might touch it, but they can't touch what's on the inside because that's what the wrapping is for, is to protect the inside so that nobody just can't go in and put their hand in germs on it any kind of way. So that's what love does. Love is like a wrapping. It keeps the germs off. It keeps, it keeps sin off. Amen. It, it, it wraps it from the enemy. And that's why the Bible says wrap everything and love everything you do. When you get through doing it, wrap it in love because love is the greatest of it all. It's good to prophesy. It's good to have signs and wonder. It's good to be deep in the gift. It's good to have knowledge and wisdom and understanding beyond one wilder dream, see into tomorrow. But love is the most important gift of all because love will be here when everything else fails. So God is love. That's why he said love because he wasn't just talking about a natural word love, but he talked the Bible said God is love. So we're really talking about God. So that's the greatest gift in the fruit of the Spirit is love because that's the, that's God himself and his own attributes. God Almighty. <laughs> I told you Apostle Lockamy has that wisdom gift to go behind the veil and explain it to us. So that wrapping keeps that Holy Ghost fresh, keep us fresh, and have us all, uh, like you said, geared up to do what God has for us to do. Good God Almighty. So what is faith? Faith is, as it said in the word, faith is a substance. A thing hoped for, the evidence, a thing not. See, faith is like making a cake. You get all the substance that you need. You get your baking powder, and I ain't all into making cake. I'm trying to leave everybody cook cake different. You get you get your extract, you get your, 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 your vanilla, your, you get your chocolate, uh, whatever you're going to make a chocolate cake, and you get your cake mix, and you get your butter, and your sugar, and your milk, and all them things, a little bit of salt and pepper, whatever you're going to put in your cake. Those are, that's not the cake. That's the substance of the cake. But when you mix all them things together, then you will have your cake. You put it in the oven and get it baked. But it takes all those things to make your cake. So they they, they stand in the gap. They represent what your cake going to be before you get your cake. And that's what faith does. Faith stands in the gap and represents what you ask God for until you get it. It's the substance of the thing that you want. And then and, and, and until you get it, faith stands in the gap for it. You know, the Lord gave me a word for this year. He said, walk in expectancy. What does it mean when God wants us to expect or to walk in expectancy? What is he saying? It's like you know it's going to rain, and you know it's going to rain without a doubt. So why would you leave home without an umbrella when you already know it's really going to rain? You, you already the weatherman done told you to expect rain, and he said it's 90% rain, expect it. And a wise person would get an umbrella. They wouldn't say that. They would not say that. Well, a man just don't know what he's talking about because he done told them it's going to be an eighty percent, ninety percent chance. And most of the time, when it's only fifty percent chance, it rains. So if they got an eighty percent chance it's going to rain. They know for sure that it's going to rain, so they expect that rain. So when you expect something, you prepare for it. Mm-hmm. So when God said expected, that means he we can expect His word to come true. The promises yeah. He said for us. 
the vision and dreams he has given us, all of the things that he has said what he's going to do when we walk in expectancy and walk in faith. And it says that we can hope for those things as well. Is there any definition or explanation of hope? Well, see, that's what hope is. Hope is not faith. Hope, hope, a faith is what you believe in. Hope is what helps you wait until you get it. Hope is your helper. It helps you to wait on it till it gets to you that comes. Faith believes that it is going to come. Help helps you hold on until it comes. That's what hope does. Because you know God's not a lying God. If he said it, he's going to do it. Let every man be a liar and God be the truth. So God said it, you can expect it to come to pass without a shadow of a doubt. And hope will help you to hold on to that expectation. Wow. And the Bible says a lot to put our trust in God. And that's the last thing I want to ask you about. What is trust in God? It's simply uh, believing him. The Bible said that Abraham believed in God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. When you when you when you believe in someone, you will do whatever they tell you to do without question. You trust them. You know, a, ba- a baby a baby trusts his mama uh, to hold him. A baby trusts his mama to protect it. No mama gonna drop that baby, and that baby knows that. So when that baby gets in that mama arm, it feels so comfortable. It feels so safe. So it knows that from the past experience that that mama ain't dropped it yet. So from fast experience, it knows mama ain't going to drop it now. So it has confidence in mama. So that's what trust is, having confidence in someone. And that distrust is in God, having confidence that God is not a lying God. He said he wouldn't lie. He said he would do it. And if he said it, he would do it, then we got to trust just that. Good God Almighty. Apostle Lockerbie, I'm going to turn it over to you. You truly have answered our questions. For those of you who just tuned in, we're talking to Apostle Alexander Lockamy right out of Irwin, North Carolina. We will give you his phone number at the end if you would like to invite him to uh, your church. And truly, he is with us on Thursdays from 7 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. as we turn it over to the burning bush. Amen. Yes, we want to talk tonight to the radio world about going into the new year with change. We have talked about change, and yet we're still the same way we were before we talked about it last year. Every year we go to the New Year resolution that we're going to change, but yet we end up still doing the same thing over and over again. And we want to change, but we don't want the consequence that comes behind change. We we don't want the, the, the repercussion that comes behind change. Change is going to hurt. We don't want to deal with the hurt. So many people want change because they know that change brings hurt. The change brings disappointment. Uh, 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 a change will always make things turn out in their favor. But yet they want to change. When you when you come down dealing with change, you've got to be willing to accept what change brings. Because change is always not going to turn out in your favor, but change will always turn out for the best. And Jesus said in the, in the book of Matthew, the chapter, the 34th verse, he, 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 he wrote a scripture, and the scripture said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. He said, I came not to send peace on the earth, but a sword. He said, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and his daughter and his mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And I read all this, and I was like, well, God, you, you, you said you can't have, we've been out of peace. We had it more abundantly. But in this scripture, he was trying to say is that when, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it's going to bring a change. Old things going to pass away. The whole all thing is going to become new. You become a new creature. Now listen, just because you got saved don't mean your husband going to get saved. Just because you got saved don't mean the children in the house going to get saved. Just because you got saved, don't mean your daughter-in-law, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law going to get saved. Salvation came to your house, but it didn't come to their house. So for that reason, the Bible said the husband against the wife. But that's because the wife got went to a prayer meeting one night or went to a Bible study one night or went to some worship service one night, and she came back saved. Now that she's saved, she gets back home trying to share this salvation with her husband, 
And he don't want it. He don't want to change. He don't want to change from his wicked ways. He he don't want to change from his ungodly life. So now there's confusion in the home. Now she got to go back home to a man that ain't saved or is doing ungodly things and cursing her out and, and calling her all kind of names because she got salvation. And that's what Jesus meant. He said, I came to bring us forward. Now he is, this thing that's supposed to be so wonderful and so sweet have become a disappointment to her in her home. And 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 she's here is now she's hurting by by accepting Jesus as Lord. So you would think that that would have brought brought peace to the house, but instead it brought confusion. And so that's what happened when you get salvation. We 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 teach it that everything gonna be all right when you get saved, and that's the wrong way to teach because there ain't no guarantee everything gonna be all right when you get saved. Yes, all things gonna work together for your good. In the end, it's gonna be all right, but it not may not be all right right now. And so we have to go through the process that whenever salvation comes or when change comes, you got to be willing to deal with the hurt that change brings. Because hurt can bring, uh, change can bring hurt sometimes. It can bring disappointment. It can bring tears in your eyes. It can make your husband walk out the house. It can make the wife walk out the house. It can make the children walk out the house. Why? Because they don't want that. You got everybody don't want Jesus. Everybody don't want to be saved. Everybody don't want to be born again. And you can't push salvation down no one's throat. So if they don't want it, then you can't do anything about it. So that's why Jesus said he came not to bring peace but confusion, to bring us forward between the daughter-in-law and the father-in-law. Now the, father, now the, the, the daughter-in-law ain't saved, but the father-in-law is. And the daughter-in-law don't like the father-in-law because the father-in-law got salvation. She don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. And, and now there's confusion in the home. So I want to tell you, if you don't want to change, uh, don't mess with Jesus. Because it bothered me that so many people say that they've been born again, say that they saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled and five baptized, and still doing the same thing they were doing before they got saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled and five baptized. Ain't no way you can continue to do the same thing whenever you've been born again. Because the Bible said that will you shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? When Jesus came, he brings change. That's what he meant when he said he brings variance in the home, confusion in the home. Misunderstanding in the home because somebody gonna get somebody somebody gonna be different when they get saved. You ain't gonna go back home from that revival. You've been born again and go back to that same old life. Old things pass away. The whole all things become new. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, let me slow down a little bit. Getting good to me. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus, and your old ways and your old habits and your old behavior is going to pass away. This ain't got nothing to do with what you're going to do. This got to do with what the power of God is going to do through Christ Jesus. Jesus is going to do this here. Not you going to go to some seminary or go and practice on how to live better, but the spirit on the inside because you got a new nature. What happened is now, people get saved now without new natures. They get out the same old nature, talking about they saved. Talking about they've been born again and got the same old Adamic nature that they had when they had with Adam. But the Bible said that we that, 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 that old nature, that old Adamic nature been taken away that we had with Adam. And we've been getting a new nature in Christ Jesus. All things pass away. The whole all things. We don't think that way no more because we don't have that nature no more. Now, if you take a hog and a hog, and you take and put a three-piece suit on him and, and put some states of items on him, wash him up real good, and all going back to the mud because you changed the hog, but you didn't change his nature. And his nature is wall in the mud. So quite naturally, he's going right back to that mud because his nature had been changed. And the Bible tells us to be so careful that we be not like the hog that went back to the mud or the dog that went back and eat that that he threw up. Whenever you go back, and, and, and to that life that you used to live and, and that God delivered you from is like you, like a dog that threw something up in that very nasty and go back and eat it. It's unclean. And, and, and I want to let you know you can change. Ain't nobody on this world that can't change. When Jesus comes into your life, if you truly got Jesus, you ain't going to change. For the power of God through the Holy Ghost will change you moment by moment, minute by minute. I don't care what habit you got. I don't care if you caught up on drugs. I don't care if you caught up on alcohol. I don't care if you caught up on sexual uh, uh, activity, uh, informity. 
I don't care if you're a lady or the night. I don't care how strung out you be it. I don't care how far, far to the bottom you fall in. If you get Jesus in your life, you is going to change. Your God is going to do a new thing on the inside of you. A spiritual thing is going to happen on the inside of you. Oh, he will do what he will do. My dad was an alcoholic. Not only was my dad an alcoholic, my dad was 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 a carrier. He he made the alcoholic. He he distributed it from from home to home or whoever wanted it. You know how those movies on TV they put the alcohol in the front of the car and they, they they go sell it to the store and all the people out in the country whatever my dad did. He he was distributed. He drank all his life. But my mama was a praying woman and my mama prayed. Uh, that my daddy would get out of off of alcohol, that my daddy would leave that alcohol alone. And my daddy told my mama, you can pray all you want to. You can pray to Oral Roberts. You, you, you can pray to Billy Graham. I don't care who you pray to. I'm not quit drinking. I've been drinking ever since I was a little boy, and I'll be drinking the day I die. So my mama wrote letters to Oral Roberts and Billy Graham and these different uh, mighty men of God in those days. This was years ago. And, 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 and wrote letters to them concerning my dad. That my dad would quit drinking, and and and, and my dad said he, he said she's gonna waste her time and waste her ain't. But one morning, one Monday morning, my dad got up and and got his pint of liquor. That was my dad's breakfast. It, it was breakfast something. Dinner. He didn't eat a lot, but he drank a lot. He take a pint of liquor with him to work every morning. That was his breakfast. But my dad got up to drink him some of that liquor that he always made, and it came back up. He threw it up. He 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 waited later on in the afternoon and he tried again and he threw it back up. My mama told him that I prayed for you that God might deliver you. He said, I don't care what you pray. He said, This is a virus. This is just a virus. He said, This ain't no change in no prayer. So my daddy waited the Tuesday and he tried again and it came back up. He tried again on Wednesday and it came back up. And my daddy came to the conclusion that God had did something on the inside of him. God delivered my daddy from drinking liquor. When my daddy closed his eyes and seen Jesus, he made Jesus Lord and Savior his life, and he, and, he, and he stopped drinking liquor. Not only did that happen, but all the other men in the neighborhood, old men, been drinking for years. Been drinking for years. Told my mama to pray for them, too. Pray for them that they could quit drinking. I want you to know that Jesus it will bring a change. But see, people don't want Jesus. The Bible said they, they won't come to the light. Let it reveal their darkness. It reveal their wicked ways. They don't want Jesus. So that's why people don't want Jesus, because they know Jesus bring a change. If Jesus comes into your life, he will bring a change. He will heal you. He'll deliver you. He'll set you free. He'll put your marriage back together. He'll put your home back together. He'll put your mind back together. So change is something that you have to want, because if you don't want it, it wasn't going to happen. You can't change ain't something you talk about. Change is something that you do. So I just wrote down a little bit the definition for change. This is what I got for, for the definition for change. To make someone, to make someone a something different, to alter or to modify, to replace something with something else, to substitute one thing for another. This is the definition for change. The other words, you can't, you won't be looking the same way or doing the same thing when you become, when you change, when God, you let Jesus change you. The Bible said old things pass away. That's why because God has come in your life. When you take away that old Adamic nature and gave you that new nature in Christ Jesus, and automatically a metamorphosis began to work on the inside of you. It's kind of like a, a, a toady frog. Uh, 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 before a toady frog become a toady frog, he's a tadpole, and he's in a pond, and he looked like a, a drop, an eye drop. The little thing, he looked like a little eye drop. But as he grows from metamorphosis, out of the while his feet come out and his legs come out. Now, when he's in the pond, He's limited to the water. He can't go no further up for the bond. But whenever he manifests himself and a metamorphosis take place, now he can he can go all over the land. He can come out of the pond. He can jump all over the grass and jump to another point if he wants to. But that would not have happened if he hadn't went through the metamorphosis. He had nothing. This totally wrong had nothing to do with the metamorphosis. It was part of what God had put in his life. So it was going to happen whether he liked it or not. So it is with a caterpillar. He crawled for a little while, but when he goes to that cocoon and that metamorphosis take place in him, then a change takes place while he's inside the cocoon. Now, and, and, and he stays there, 
and he stays there. And and then while he's there, he changes from a from a from a caterpillar to a butterfly. He begins to take a wing. Then when he develops to the point that he needs to come out of it, he takes and cuts himself out of that cocoon with his wings. And then he flies. Now he was limited when he was a caterpillar. He could only crawl on the back of the stalk or whatever he was crawling on. But now that he done went through the metamorphosis, he can fly all over the world. He can fly through the air. He can fly where he wants to. And this is what happens when we get saved and we don't get the Holy Ghost. When we don't get the Holy Ghost, we limit ourselves to the pond. We limit ourselves to the back of the stalk. All we can do is swim in the pond and crawl on the back of the stalk. But when we get the Holy Ghost, Positive. 
Think about what to them is lovely. Think about how good God been to you. Think about if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side. Think about it could have been the other way. Think about what happened to others could have happened to you. Look at the positive thing. If you start, if you start counting all the positive things and and stop counting the negative things, I guarantee you end up with more positive things than you do negative things. We have more negative things in our lives because. We, we count them more than we do the positive thing. Yes, that's my favorite song. I won't complain. Well, oh, when I think of the good days and all and add up the bad days, oh, I won't complain. Because even though it looked like I had a lot of bad days, oh, my God, I had more good days than I had bad days. And so have you. It doesn't look like you had more bad days than good days because it looked like bad don't want to go nowhere. But remember this. Just know that God be on for you. Who then could be against you? For all things does work together for good. The devil love God. The devil will been called according to his purpose. If God have called you, he's on your side. If God have called you, he ain't gonna let you down. If God be your God, you gonna come out. I come out of here. I don't care who you is. I don't care where you at right now. You can mark it on your calendar. Twelve months from this day, and call me back and tell me if you want to. But I guarantee you, if you give it to God, if you give it to Jesus. He will fix it every time. The Bible says, cast thy care upon the Lord, because he cares for you. But you've got to have a different mindset to do that. You can't keep fixing things yourself. you got to let God fix it. Your wife out there running up and down the highway won't stay off your cell, husband's cell phone, won't stay off the Internet trying to find out what he's going to do it. You ain't going to fix this problem, baby. God got to fix it. You get that husband to God. If that husband doing wrong, if that husband cheating, if that husband running around on you, got them children all in the car about to have a wreck out there trying to find out who house he's going to do, where he at, Well, you need to be at home on your knees praying. You need to commit thy way unto the Lord. See, you, what you don't understand, wife, is God's on your side. Anyway, anytime when a man and a woman get married, this is a personal thing to God because the Bible said marriage is next to heaven. It, 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 it's close. It's close to God. It, it, it represents Jesus Christ and the bride. So whenever a husband cheats on a wife or a wife cheats on a husband, God steps in. And he already intervened. He already going to fix the situation. So when you put your hand in it, all out there uh, uh, raising sand and, and ready to fight him and sitting home, with a gun and a knife in your hand, ready to hurt him when he get home. That's not the way you fix it. Go into your prayer closet. Get on your knees. Get that man to God. God can fix him. God the only way can change a man. God can only way can fix a man. What you fit to do is tear up your marriage. What you do is fit to tear up your home. What you fit to do is call chaos. What you fit to do is call things to be out of control. Get on your knees and pray. Commit thy way. That's what the scripture says. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and he will establish and bring it to pass. That means get that husband. And the same thing with the wife, men. Get your wife to God. Uh, do like Hosea, baby. Stay home and don't worry about it. Oh, my God. I don't think nobody been done no work than Hosea was. And when Homer did Hosea, the way she cheated on him, and yet it had the baby behind his back who was wanting his children, but yet he waited on God. He was patient. He stayed home and prayed. He took care of the children. Sometimes... And waiting, you don't feel it's going to be heard. Sometimes in waiting, doing it God's way, you're going to be disappointed. It's going to look like you've done it wrong. It's going to look like that. This ain't the thing for you to do. But but you have to let God fix it. Because God can fix it better than you can. Uh, I know you feel like you need to do something. I know you need to feel like you need to put your hand in it and go straighten her out and go straighten him out. Oh, don't do that, baby. Many people have died from trying to take matters in their own hands. You stay home. You stay right there. You wait on God. Let God fix it. Let God bring that change. Because God is a change. He's able to change it. He's able to fix it. So I say to each and every one of the radio world, make up your mind that you're going to let God change some things in your life this year. You done tried it. You done messed up. Pastor, I tell you, Apostle, I done, I done tried to quit drinking. Try again. Try it again. Don't quit. Try it again. Don't, don't let the devil make you stop. Telling you that you can't stop drinking, you can't stop doing drugs. Uh, I know you say you've been born again. I know that you say you're saved. You got them habits. That's why the scripture said, "Lay down every weight 
in the sin so he to protect you. Lay it down. That means lay it down at Jesus' feet. Lay it down and commit thy way unto the Lord. That's what it would say. Lay it down. It means to commit it unto the Lord. Lay down every way in the sin so he to protect you. Lay it down in God's hand. Give it to God. That thing that keeps making you do wrong, that thing that keeps making you sin, that thing that keeps making you come short of the glory of God, lay it down. Give it to Jesus. I declare he is able. He is a deliverer. He will deliver her when he saved me there in prison. I was on drugs. I was running needles up my veins. But he delivered me, and I didn't have to go to no rehab. I didn't have to go to no rehabilitation. I didn't have to take my one class because of the power of his Holy Spirit that took the desire away. I, I, I speak loudly every one. They're controlled by desire. They're controlled by desire. No matter what the desire it is, whether it be alcohol, whether it be lust, whether it be drugs, give it to God. He'll take the desire away. And where there is no desire, there is no temptation. For the devil cannot tempt you where there is no desire. He tempts you because there's a desire there. The devil knows you desire that, so that's why he tempts you there. What the scripture said uh, 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 that the devil tempts us according to our lust for desire. He said a man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust. And when lust is finished, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death, spiritual death, meaning it steals the anointing out of your gift, the anointing out of your calling, the anointing out of your 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 your, your life, where where you, where you don't have no no enthusiasm, you you don't have no drive, your reputation is damaged, but folks don't want to believe in you because of the lifestyle you live. But I come out and tell you, give it to the Lord because He had the ability all to deliver you. He had brain change. Where you go into twenty into twenty twenty three, go in with a mindset to change. Change me, Lord. Change me. Because he can change you. God that's why God sent Jesus. Jesus came to bring a change. And if he in your life it ain't changing you, you might need to go get him again. Because if Jesus is in you, you gonna change. Nobody can get connected to Jesus. Nobody can tell me that Jesus is in their life and you ain't changing. He'll change you from one grace into another. And he'll take you to higher heights. He'll take you to deeper depths. He'll take you places that you ain't never been. But you got to want to change. You got to have that mindset. Change me, Lord. Change me. And it may not happen overnight. Maybe you might fall again. Get back up. You might fall again, but get back up. Give it to the Lord. Know that he's working on you. Know that all things is working together for your good, to them that love the Lord. And know, therefore, it says, whenever any man be in Christ Jesus, he a new creature. All things are passed away. The whole all thing is in you. You are saved. You are a new creature. The devil has been lying to you because you made a mistake, telling you ain't saved. You ain't been born again. If you were saved, why you do that? Don't pay Satan no attention because he's the accuser of the brothers. His job is to accuse you. His job is to make you feel bad. His job is to make you feel like you ain't been saved. You haven't been born again. And, uh, he, he, he always telling you lost. He ain't never told you you were saved. Uh, he's never going to tell you you saved, but he'll tell you that you lost. But you got to know that you've been born again. you get, you got to know that you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. And when you know you've been born again, you just pray and get back up. And God will strip you after a while, and you won't be falling down. You want you like a baby. So a baby falls down when it first gets saved. A baby falls down when it first born. But as that baby go from day to day and from week to week, Otherwise, that baby builds up confidence from his mama, holding her hand out so the baby can reach her hand. At first, she grabs the baby so the baby can't fall. And then after a while, she'll pull her hand back and let the baby walk on his own, and the baby might fall, but the baby will get back up. And this is what God does. He holds his hand out at first so we'll have something to hold on to, build up our confidence. Then he backs up and let us stand up on our own. I come out and tell you today that God is going to want to bring some change. But that marriage is not going to get better. Come on, husband. Why? You want you 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 want your your marriage to change? Then you got to do the thing you did when you first got them. You got to start back being romantic. You got to start back buying her some candy. You got to start back buying her some flowers. You got to start back by taking her to the movies. You got to go back walking in the park. You got to start back holding hands with one another. You got to tell her how pretty she is when she get up on Sunday morning and getting dressed and getting dressed for church rather than out the car blowing the horn waiting for her to come to the car when you should be in there helping her and, and husband and wife and. I 
like that to you, you fathers that, that, that got, these, got these children and the wives struggling hard as she can to get them dressed on Sunday morning, to get them dressed. You out there in the car blowing the horn, telling her to come on. Uh, she didn't have no children by herself, so you need to be in there helping her as much as you can to get them children dressed. Because these things is important to a woman. When you help her get them children, get them boys, get them girls dressed, and then you go out there and, and open that door. And, and oh, yeah, it's got to be nice to open the door again. You done changed on her. You wonder why your marriage is getting dull. You wonder why your marriage about to end up in the vortical because you don't forgot to do the, 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 the elementary thing that you did when you first married her. Yes, go ahead around and open that door for her. Don't put on no front. Go around and open that door. You may not think it's important to her, but it's important that you open that door for her. Wait to help her get the children in the car. Don't be driving off, about to tear the heel off of her car, off of her shoes, while she's trying to get in the car and had to put the children in. You go there and make sure she helped get them children in that car, and then you shut that door. Uh-huh. You'll be, you be a Christian at home. Don't wait you get to church and be a Christian. You'll be a Christian at home. Change from the way you treat, treat her. Talk to her like she's like she, somebody. Don't, don't be, be all talking nice to the pastor and nice to the first lady at the church, in the members of the church, and talking to her like she's an animal, talking to her like she ain't nobody. Uh, we, you got to change your attitude towards her if you want your marriage to be better. Your marriage will end up in the divorce court if you don't change from what you're doing. You tell her you love her? No. Paying the bill don't show you love her. Just because you paid all the bills, that don't mean a thing. That's your responsibility to pay the bill. But you need to hold her. You need to hug her. You need to tell her. You need to show her by your faithfulness that you love her. When you're by not uh, letting infidelity come into in the marriage, not letting unfaithfulness is not, come into the marriage, but love her through Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus came. He came to bring peace in the home where peace can come. And yes, he said, I came, you may have peace and have that more abundantly. Yes, he is a God of peace. He is a God of assurance. He, is, he, did, he, did, he did come to put the quicker way straight. He did come to put the broken pieces back together. And God want to put our homes back together. So many homes are breaking. I mean, Christian homes. I ain't talking about a worldly home. I'm talking about Christian home because we don't know how to forgive one another. We got to learn how to forgive and forget it. Put it behind us. Quit holding a diary in one another's face. It's over with. Yesterday it's gone. Paul says, forget the things that are behind us. Read forward to the things that are before us. We got to press for the mark of a prize of a higher calling in Christ Jesus. So I want to ensure. I want to encourage you. You can't change. Ain't nothing in your life that you can't change. So I don't care that habit. You think that habit got you? God let me know one time. No, the habit don't have you. You have the habit. You just think the habit has you. But what you need to do is turn loose. If it had you, God wouldn't tell you to let it go. He said he told you to let it go. He didn't tell it to let you go. He said told you to let it go. So really, it ain't got you. You got it. You the one holding on to it. You the one that won't turn loose. You the one that won't lay it down. He didn't tell it to lay you down. He told you to lay it down. So we we have more power over things than we think we do, and we just don't want to. We well, we don't want that unfamiliarity. We get caught up in familiarity. Now we think what we're doing is so right. We've been doing it for so long that it seems like it's right. But I come out and encourage you. Let God come into your mind, and, and I'm gonna close out with this. Let God come into your mind and bring a change in your thought. See, it got to start in the mind. The heart's messed up because the mind messed up. Uh huh. The, uh, the mind what messes up the heart. The thoughts of the mind messes up the thoughts of the heart. So check the thoughts in your mind. Make sure the thoughts in your mind according to the word of God. Think like God thinks. Do it the way God would do it. They got to share it out now. What would Jesus do? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Do it the way Jesus would do it. Read the Bible. Read up about things in the Bible about whatever you're going through, about family. A family is of great importance. It is important how the wife treats the husband, and the husband treats the wife, and 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 the and the, and the, and the ch- wife and children treat the parent. And I say to all you parents, they got children now. They're turning 18 and 19 and 20 years old. Quit treating them like they're 11 and 12 years old. They're not 11 and 12 no more. Give them a break. Give them a release. Quit demanding them and and, and putting curfews on them when they they don't got up in age now. Give them a little bit more break. Cause the Bible said, provoke not their children wrath. You mad because your children rebelling against you, but you you provoking them to do it because you won't give them no leeway now. See, they are twenty one years old and you and you still and you still got that tight curfew on them. But you need to let them. You need to give some leeway now. You got to understand that they're not teeth. They're not little eleven years old no more. They trust them more. Give them an 
opportunity to make a mistake. Just like your parents, yeah, you ought to opportunity to make a mistake. Give them opportunity to make a mistake. We pray that they don't make no mistake, but give them opportunity to make the mistake. And you and you and you speak well of your children. Speak kind. Don't cuss in front of your children. Don't cuss your children out. Talk to Christian folks now. You say you've been born again, and you're cussing out your children. Don't cuss your children out. Don't don't use profanity in front of your children, your grandbabies. But if you if you if you taking on the name of Christ, then walk like Christ. Talk like Christ. Love like Christ. Be like Christ. Let Christ be the attribute of everything you do. So see, he the, the only God that the world going to know is the God on the inside of us. And the Bible says that we name the name of Christ, are we not walk like him? Shouldn't we talk like him? Shouldn't we act like him? Oh, it would be so nice that the world will, will, will begin to, to say they've been born again and trying to say the law. We're trying to say the law, but we act like we lost ourselves. And we don't take nothing no more. We're so touchy. We're so quick to curse. We're so quick to use uh, uh, evil words. When the Paul said, put these things far from you. Why? Because we got another conversation. My mama also used to tell us, baby, she said, I never heard my mama cuss. My mama said, you can communicate without cussing. I told to tell somebody out there in the radio world, you can communicate without cussing. You do not how to cuss. You do not have to cuss in order to communicate with nobody. I don't care how mad you get. I, I don't care how angry you is. I don't care what they've done to you. You can still communicate without cussing. So think about it. Help change out. Change needs your help. C-H-A-N-G-E, change. That means to do things different, but it needs your help. You can't keep on doing the same old thing expecting a different result. you got to do something different. No matter what it is, you you, 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 you wonder why you keep getting fired because you keep going to work late. So if you keep getting up late, you're going to get to work late. So what you got to do is plan to get up even earlier so you can get to work on time. We keep doing the same thing. We blame the supervisor. We manage the supervisor. Not only do we get to work late, we go straight to the bathroom. We go straight to the break room. And here it is, another half hour before we get on our job. And we think that they're angry. That, oh, oh, they don't like us. Oh, they're picking on me. No, 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 no. You need to change because the Bible says the honest day work for honest day pay. You ain't gave them no eight hours. You ain't gave them a six hour and a half because the other hour and a half you wasted. And they're watching you. So if you want your supervisor to like you, if you want your supervisor to promote you, if you want to make your supervisor make you a supervisor, then you need to act that way on your job. Quit talking about the supervisor. Quit talking about the overseer. Because the very person you're talking to is going to go back and tell somebody. So I want to let you know that change can take place on your job. Change can take place in your marriage. Change can Change can take place in your church. Change can take place in your life. But you got to help change take place. So I say to you, you go to this new year, take change with you. Apostle? Amen and amen. It was powerful because change is necessary for us to be better human beings for Christ. What What is it sometimes, like what you said was so powerful, that people blame everyone else and point the finger, but they don't look at themselves that they need to change. Yes, that is true. And that's what the devil does. He knows as long as I can focus on you and blame you for my mistake, I'm never going to change. Another week, month, year going to go by because now I'm blaming Susie. I'm blaming Betty. I'm blaming Tommy. And next year I'm going to blame Ted. And next year I'm going to blame Eddie. So all these years going by, and I'm still doing the same old thing because I blame somebody else for this, for the results that are coming in my life, for the situation that is in my life, for, for the outcome of my life, when I won't look at my own self and say, God, show me myself. See, sometimes God will show you you if you ask him. Hello? Yes, I'm here. I'm listening to you. Yeah, God will show you you because the problem is in you. But until you ask God to show you, the devil always show you somebody else. And you will fail to realize that if you change, uh, 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 then, uh, then the situation change. I reminded of a story I heard about this lady who was married. Her husband was a, a drunk, and he was unsaved, and he was as mean as he could be. And she went to the bathroom there at the bathroom to pray for her. And because of the marriage, because she wanted to stay in the marriage. And the pastor prayed for her, and he didn't see the woman no more in about four years. And, and the woman looked so vivid. She was so so lit up, so anointed. She had that virtue look in her face. So the, the pastor thought, baby, that she got, got that her husband had got saved. Or something. He said, well, uh, your husband got saved? She said, no. 
see what the devil he was. She said, but I did. You know what I'm saying? She said, I changed. So I realized that he wasn't going to change, and if I continued to stay the way I was, it was, it was going to, you know, steal my joy. She said, so I decided to just go on and trust God and get joy and let him stay the way he was. So sometimes God don't always change the situation. Sometimes he changes us. And then I will agree with you. I see sometimes, and if I step on your toes, just say, ouch, whoever listening. I noticed sometimes, and you mentioned quite a lot tonight about married people. And I listen to those who are married, and like you said, sometimes the women can forsake the husband because she's all up in the church, or the women, you know, um, not only, like you said, speak nice to the man of God, but won't speak nice to her husband. And verse, and the same thing, vice versa, that the husband is so busy in the church that the wife sometimes feels like she left out or not a part. I see sometimes that gentlemen are deacons or they ministers, and they way up in the church, and the church, and the woman is sitting back like a little wallflower. And it's sad, but what, what I like what you said, that they have to do the same thing they did in the beginning to make the marriage work. And why is it so important that even though you're in a church now, that you still retain that respect and level of appreciation in marriage? Because he said in the word, he said, for the wife and the husband to forsake all others and love him only. In other words, you you put, you put, you put God first, and then you then you then the husband and wife is next, then the children is next, and then the church is next. He to forsake all others and love her only. But what happens is we get so caught up in religion that we end up putting the church above above our husband, above our wife. He said, let the husband love the church. And Christ, he said, let the husband love his wife. And Christ loved the church. He didn't say, let the husband love the church. And Christ loved the church. He said, let the husband love his wife. And Christ loved the church. Christ's going to love the church. You love your wife. You love your woman. You love your husband. And make sure that they know you love them and put them first. Yes, and, you know, I agree with you because I hear sometimes listening to young ministers They'll say, well, my wife is not on my level, or I'm a minister or elder or deacon or whatever they are. And it almost seems like they're ashamed that the person is not on their level, and they do a lot of complaining. I had one uh, young man one time that he told me, he said, um, well, I'm going to go get married again to someone that's on my level. And... I was very surprised by that, that instead of working out the problem, he kind of dismissed that she wasn't on the same minister level. What do you say about that, especially those leaders? Well, that's, that's uh, what's called pride. That's just a prideful statement because if she was saved and she wasn't born again, she is on his level. He could be not unequally yoked with unbeliever. If she was a believer, then she's on his level. And just because he may be, more anointed or more educated in the area of his ministry, he got to understand you got to leave church at church and leave home at home. You see what I'm saying? He should have left church at church. When he got to the house, there weren't no measurement at the house. At the house, you the husband and she the wife and the children the children. So you don't take that mess home. So that's what messes up marriages. When you, you're trying to be the apostle at the house, you're trying to be the bishop at the house, trying to be the deacon at the house. No, when you walk out the church or got in the car, you ain't the deacon at the house no more. You're the husband at the house. You're the wife at the house. And when we learn how to keep claims in their perspective and don't put the cart before the horse, we'll find out that marriage will be so much better. At home, he said, husband, love your wife. Love her at home. And you, you, ain't, you ain't trying to run no revival at the house. You, you're trying to love her at the house. So when you leave the house, you then can run a revival. <laughs> Dad, you kill it. Oh, my God. That's why I said, tell everybody, who step on your shoes? This an ouch. This an ouch. Now, here's another tough one right here before I announce um, your phone number where you are. I have heard individuals say, well, I asked them, I said, are you married? And they said, I'm separated, or I'm going through a divorce. I said, but you're still married, right? Yeah, but I'm separated. Why is it it's so important that, to me, I just don't understand. If you are a married person, are you allowed to date even though you separated? Since you're talking about marriage, we stepping on toes. No, 
no, no, you, you, you mean you, and you ain't divorced? Right. No, 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 you, you shut one door before you open up another. You ain't got no business out there dating nobody, and you, and, 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 and you here, you still in the relationship. Y'all, y'all had any out of divorce. If you're in the process of get divorced, you need to get that divorce. And by the way, if you were so much in love with her in the first place, why are you out here trying to date somebody else? Talking about you love someone else. You said, you said that you loved her. And now you here, you trying to love marry somebody, and y'all ain't got a divorce yet. So that let you know there's something wrong there somewhere in that picture. <laughs> well, Dad brought it up, so God is telling you
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.